To Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I don't really talk like that. Uh, if this is your first episode, <laughs> please continue to listen. Uh, this is your host, Michael McMillan. Uh, with me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And absent physically once again is our dear super producer, Riley Bray. But uh, fear not, friends. He's good. He's just a very busy man right now, working on a yeah, different right. project. Different project. He's um, a busy man. He's he's what he's sought after. He's got new talents and 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 people are he's developing to get him. new powers. He's he's yes. hitting a a second evolution uh, or mutation, <laughs> as the X Men put it. It's like when uh, when the White Queen went from being able to read minds only to reading minds and turning into diamond form on command. Ooh. So yeah, he's, he's constantly evolving, uh, but you'll hear him here in spirit. He's going to be at the very least playing some oh, oh, beautiful music scores for us in this. What I'm going to say seems like a heavy hitter episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is one for the books. Uh, to borrow a phrase from other podcasts, but uh, that that I probably shouldn't <laughs> refer to. But the, I mean, I do feel like we're crossing the Rubicon here with from uh, comedy paranormal podcast to like this is fucking serious territory. <laughs> Judging by the name that you gave this week's story of high strangeness, and ergo this episode, it's like oh you, you sent me the title, and I was like. Are we are we taking this half seriously anymore? I don't know. <laughs> you know, man, it's like, hey, sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to get into the meat of these yeah. things. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, it's great. I'm excited. I've uh, scanned uh, the story that you sent over. I haven't really, yeah. you know, spoiled anything. So, uh, I okay, think good. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy this. I really do. I gonna, think it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've been we've been talking about it, hinting around about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, you've been, you've been warned. Uh, but, uh, before we get into that and before we get into clubhouse keeping, uh, I told you over text and I can't remember if I told our listeners, but I recently watched the, the horror movie antlers. Oh, you didn't tell me. No, it's oh, good, huh? It's good. I mean, it's, it's definitely it's about the Wendigo, right? Well, yes, I didn't want to spoil it, but there you go. It's a Wendigo yeah. movie. Uh, yeah. with that doesn't really spoil it. If you're no, paying attention and you are uh, a, a club scout, you'll probably call I could it tell, early on. I could tell you it's a Bigfoot movie, and you have no idea what the fuck it's about. I mean, we've seen so many of them, That's and they varied. They varied so uh, <laughs> greatly from good to bad. So I mean, I mean, do they vary greatly? <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, touche. Do they really? Yeah. Uh, no, but no, no. check out uh, Antlers starring Carrie Russell, Jesse Plemons. It's produced by Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought it was a good like, hey, man, to your point, Bryce, when we were watching all those Bigfoot horror movies over on the other side, 
you know, we would often go, gosh, what if they just did this or took this seriously? They could really make a cool monster yeah. movie out of this concept. And I think this is a good example of taking oh, a man. cryptid okay. and making a, I mean, you know, the movie, I would say there might be one or two little plot holes in it. Some of the rules mm. I was like, well, I think I get, I think I get the rules by the end of the movie. seems like some stuff got cut out, but mm. overall, I would say definite if you like horror movies and you like things like the thing movies like the thing that's got a little body horror and gore to it, then definitely check out antlers. I rented it on Amazon prime. So find it wherever you want to. Uh, That's Michael's movie recommendation of the week. Mm. Love it. Love it. I'll check it out for sure. Great. Well, let's get into some clubhouse keeping here, Bryce. I just want to remind our listeners, that they can dress up and show their love for Bigfoot Collectors Club by heading over to our merch shop at tpublic.com. You can click the link tree in our bio on Instagram, on Instagram, on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club or Twitter at Bigfoot Pod to get a direct link or go to wearecampfire.media and smash that shop button. And smash that button. Smash it. You know, we are planning some new merch for 2022, so fret mm. not. Uh, we have uh, one inspired by the other side. I've got another one in the mix. Actually, I got two in the mix. Damn. There's going to be some stuff this spring and summer. Don't you worry. I uh, love our merch. Yeah, I always get so excited by all that. Just just tickles my fancy. Yeah, if you, if you like our inside jokes, if you want to, you know, sport uh, Ultimate Champion t-shirt from the, uh, Zombie Bigfoot's uh, Scary 16, you know, then, uh, you know, have a little beat up. Um, E.T. Yeah. with a with a, a thrown in with a, uh, it reference a, a in natty there. light and a patch. Natty yeah. light. I, I have the I have the coffee mug of it, and let me tell you, it's a conversation starter. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, we still have popsicle Bigfoot out there. We've got our two wet hot alien summer shirts out there. Mm-hmm. We've got zombie Bigfoot himself by Tyler Benz. Yes. That's out there. So lots of great artists, lots of great stuff. A lot of it comes from the listener community. So go check that out. You're not only supporting us, but you're supporting, uh, you know, spreading this awesome BCC inspired art around, you know, keeping the BCC memology strong. And, uh, you know, the more shirts you buy, the more artists will pay to to make more shirts. So That's right. there you go. And you can extend your love and support for BCC by joining our Patreon, BCC The Other Side. For five bucks a month, you get three bonus episodes plus access to our, our entire backlog of exclusive BCC episodes, which is around 176 drops at this point. Um, on our latest Patreon drop, we released the full track for Riley's score for our Sierra Sounds episode. This is the first time we've ever dropped an exclusive music track. And yeah. if you like it, we're talking about launching a second tier where mm-hmm. not only would you get your guaranteed three bonus episodes every month, but the original soundtracks by Riley that he composes for our stories of high strangeness. And that would include digging into the archives and releasing music from our entire backlog. Now, Riley's not here to confirm nor deny whether this is going to happen. If you're a <laughs> listener and you want this to happen, uh, let us know. Cause we haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I think we all want to. Yeah. You're going to want that man. Those Riley works 
so beautifully and meticulously on these songs of high strangeness. And they're a vibe, man. Whether you're listening to them in your car or you just want to do a little meditative uh, uh, high strangeness meditation, uh, choice is yours. They'd but be great. I, I, I like this idea. If you're a writer, if you're an artist, they're great mm. for like, or just getting work done around the house, just to have those like yeah. cool synth sounds happening and maybe think, make things a little spooky. Um, yeah. Seems like a no brainer. Uh, we love Riley. We love his music, and we want to share that uh, with you guys un- uninterrupted. Uh, and finally, don't forget to follow BCC on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And please do give us a five-star review. If you do, we may read it on the show, just like this one from Apple Podcasts. Mama Wolf 216 writes, Seriously obsessed with these incredible guys. Five stars. Woo-hoo. Sounds like someone is threatening to kill us, or maybe they're just <laughs> from fans. I can't tell. Mama Wolf, thank you so much. I'm teasing. Thanks, of Mama Wolf. Um, that's it. That's all you got to do. And of course, like giving us five stars, you know, it just helps get the show to in front of more eyes. You know, I, I you know, it's that whole algorithm thing that um, is sometimes amazing and sometimes destroys our planet. Uh, but in this case, it's amazing. So help us get the show to more people by giving us a five star review. We love you guys. All right. Dustpan and broom. I'm That's putting it. it putting it in the clubhouse Clean closet. Kitchen floor. Clean, Clean kitchen, kitchen floor. floor right there. We're done. Uh, I've killed all the ants. And now we're just going to get down to some good old-fashioned clubhouse minutes here. Um, I brought in a BCC News article this week that I think you're really going to dig, Bryce. Oh, the wow. Okay. Guardian uh, on February 4th, I believe. Uh, Saturday, February 4th, ran an article about called Something's Coming, Is America Finally Ready to Take UFOs Seriously? by Adam Gabbat. So here's the thing. So this is basically the, the general article is sort of about like, you know, this new Pentagon UFO program, all the oh stuff gosh. that's coming out, people getting excited, and sort of recap some of the stuff that we've been talking about talking about in the past year. And a lot of people are saying that 2022 is when we're going to start seeing some real shit. You know, there's buzz okay. out there. That's great. That we're going to start getting our first, like, high-definition photos of some oh, of these crafts and yeah. stuff like that. Uh that's well, I don't that's not in this article I saw that someplace else but basically like it's all about like 2022 is going to be the year for UFOs great, okay great well this ties directly in with what we'll be talking about more awesome. later so so I the thing I wanted to zoom in on on this article which was mm-hmm. new news to me and I I think everybody's going to dig is about 10 paragraphs in where they say still I would have the, never gotten that far. No, I know. I this is what this is where the story actually starts. <laughs> still, as the clamor for information has grown, and I'm quoting the article here, uh, yeah. reading directly from the website, so has interest from the scientific community. And in 2022, a slew of new projects will launch specifically aimed at detecting alien life. Wow, no shit. Uh, yeah, check this out. Avi Loeb. And Frank B. Baird Jr., professor of science at Harvard University, is behind Mm. one of those. He is the head of the Galileo Project, which aims to establish a network of sophisticated telescopes which will scan the skies for extraterrestrial objects. The privately funded project, ding, 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 privately funded, who could be behind this, uh, Mm. which involves more than 100 scientists, is building its first telescope system on the roof of the Harvard College Observatory. 
and it will begin operating this summer. Lowe Mm. plans to make the project's findings publicly available. The telescope will use infrared cameras to take 24-7 video of the sky and is equipped with a radio sensor, an audio sensor, and a magnetometer to detect non-visual objects. A computer will use artificial intelligence to analyze the data, ignoring objects like birds, drones, planes, and meteors, and paying Mm. extra attention to any objects that are not human-made, Loeb said. Wow, we're not ta- uh, we're taking a road not taken, so there may be low hanging fruit that nobody else picked up because it was not taken. Loeb said, "Get that fruit, y'all! Isn't it Loeb who wrote the book on that Muamua uh, asteroid that passed by Earth that uh, had a weird trajectory, and so he thought it might have been an alien uh, a scout ship or something? I'm not scout sure. Planet. Why don't you Google that mm. while I read the the rest of this? But sounds." <laughs> okay. That, tra- yep. that would track. I mean, he's yeah. an astrophysicist. So I think that's him. He's a professor. Uh, his name does ring a bell. And for all that UFO research may be becoming destigmatized, Loeb said, the field is still looked down upon by some astrophysicists and other academics, which can mm. turn off young scientists. I really wanted. I really want the next generation to be free to discuss it and for it to become part of the mainstream, Loeb said. My hope is that by getting a high-resolution image of something unusual or finding evidence for it, which is quite possible in the coming year or two, we will change it. So this is this is the same uh, article that I read about yeah. the high-res images. So this is great because we're two things here. One, science is getting serious about studying this shit for realsies, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And this idea... I, you know, behind the fact that we're having this not national conversation is destigmatizing this mm. stuff. And it's, I mean, I think we're starting to see the beginning of like real scientists saying, okay, let's take a look and let's figure out what the fuck these things are. Yeah. Well, you know, man, a little late to the party, AV, because as I'll show tonight, there's been scientists studying this for longer than we've well, known of, about. Of but, course. But you know what? He is he is the guy who argued that uh, Amuamua was really an interstellar alien probe. I, and I just love that, you know, this guy is a Harvard professor, and it just exactly. makes me think of the work that Dr. John E. Mack did over at Harvard in the psychology department, dealing with possible alien abductees and basically really laying the groundwork for a, a fucking Ivy League school like Harvard to be even treading in these already shaky waters. I That's love it. That's what I'm talking about. And look, just the more, whether you're late to the party, the more the merrier. And you know, I'm sorry. The more but the merrier. Yeah. 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 The more the merrier. I don't know what I said, but the the fact that it's Harvard too, it does lend credibility, if not to armchair ufologists who are like, yeah, totally. whatever, but to the rest of the mainstream who don't know the Robert Bigelow's, who don't well, know these stories the, of the high word. It's the, Exactly. You and you and you got the point exactly right. It, it opens the door for for mainstream science to sort of get on board with uh and get over and get over themselves. And this yeah, come on over, guys. The water's warm. Dip yeah. your toe in the UFO pool. Listen, it's beautiful. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know we need smarter people talking about this topic <laughs> we can't just have enthusiasts doing all the work no. we need the enthusiasts but we need those astrophysicists really doing doing their work as well well um, what a way to kick off uh tonight's story of high strangeness right. i can't wait to get into it it directly correlates well 
then let's just take a quick little break right here. And then when we come back, <laughs> shit's getting contagious. Mmm. All right, everybody. Uh, sit back, relax, get a Coca-Cola, because we're returning to a fabled place among uh, Bigfoot Collectors Club. It's one of Bryce's favorite haunts. Bryce, you've been digging back into mm. uh, a topic that we talked about very early on in the show, before yeah. we even yeah. really knew what we were doing. <clears throat> no, it's one of those OG episodes, and I'm so glad to sort of revisit it and refresh it and update it because it needs it would this it be are we calling this a deep dive would this be considered a deep dive is this a waste i mean we're gonna go deep pretty dive? deep okay all let's, right let's just call it a deep dive because i think that's that's what it is and i love uh, it and it puts up another deep dive on our on our scoreboard chart I love so, it. all right let's do it so here we go <clears throat> you know club scouts sometimes I just got to go with my gut on these stories of high strangeness, because not only do I want to entertain our incredible listeners, but I also want us to grapple with and confront just what in the hell is going on on this strange planet of ours. And also because it's the latest book I've been reading and it, it just seemed natural. But I believe this next topic of high strangeness holds invaluable clues as to the nature of the paranormal. <clears throat> And it's go- and of course, oh my God, excuse me. And of course, it's gonna need a sweet ass name. And so I give you the Skinwalker Contagion. Sounds like you have yeah. a little Skinwalker Contagion in your throat, there, buddy. Right. I know. I might test out some other names with you guys tonight, and maybe we'll vote on what sticks. It'll make it fun. Um, Michael, are you ready to revisit the Skinwalker Ranch? You know, I don't know if I'm ever really ready to go back there because it's pretty scary. Do we need to do a tiny... I mean, is this something we need to do a nutshell recap about? Are you going to get in? Are you recapping this at all? I'll cover all the bases in this one. So this will be a standalone. This is all you need to know. So if you've never even heard about skinwalker ranch then you're you can come in as a as a baby baby wolf and and yep, leave a, a, a giant dire wolf that uh, yep. cannot be stopped by bullets that's exactly right that's Got exactly it. right we're going to give you everything you need here to to grapple uh with this subject so i've been reading a new book as of late and it's the follow-up to the original hunt for the skinwalker by george knapp and dr colm kelleher a book about the famed paranormal scientific study which took place on a ranch in northeastern Utah, and in my humble opinion, was the very book which opened up people's minds to the idea that UFOs are tied to a whole bevy of strange phenomenon. The new book is entitled Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, an insider's account of the secret government UFO program, with the added author James T. Lekatsky. And uh, Michael, what if I tell you that Dogmen, and yes, even Linda S. Godfrey will be coming into play on this episode as well. Dogmen? Dogmen. Yes. Oh, multiple? I know that excites you. Yes. Ah, yeah. ah, ah. I say Dogman. <laughs> 
My so dad's think Godfrey, it's... a favorite yeah. uh, cryptid author and researcher. That's right. That's uh, right. Club the Scout member. She coined guest. the name the Beast of Bray Road about a yeah. wolfman-like creature that was running around the, uh, the dairy farms of Wisconsin. Well, Michael, you know your stuff. I think it's safe to assume that we're all now aware of a secretive government program that was tasked with studying the UFO phenomenon between 2008 and 2010. Heck, Michael even just read a little bit about it. It was a program known as ATIP, or the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. And if you've heard our podcast, you probably know that it was the gray lady herself that broke the story. The December 17th New York Times article, Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program, written by Helene Cooper, Ralph Blumenthal, and Leslie Keen. Well, it dropped like a bombshell. Disclosure, y'all! But what you may not know is just how much the New York Times missed or just got wrong. For example, the name of the program itself. And just where did that $22 million go? Who was in charge of the research? What exactly were they researching? And what did they learn? Well, we're going to cover all of that in this week's episode, The Skinwalker Contagion. So, what do we know? We know that the government tried to deal with this pesky UFO situation back in the 50s and 60s with the first fully funded government program called Project Blue Book, which was run by the U.S. Air Force and directed by the late, great Dr. J. Allen Hynek. We also know that they weren't really taking the subject as seriously as they told us they were. In fact, we know that the program was destined to fail from the start and that it was treated more like a PR problem than an actual investigative body. The program shut its doors with little fanfare in 69 and ended Uncle Sam's interest in UFOs. Or so we thought. Not so fast, Uncle Sam. Not so fast, Uncle Sam. Fast forward about 60 years, and lo and behold, another program was on the cusp of being born, birthed by some overtly qualified individuals, scientists, PhDs, military men, who weren't afraid to take science to the limits Stare into the abyss, ask the hard questions, and try their damnedest to get to the bottom of the UFO phenomenon once and for all. And so, A-Swap was born. Uh, Not A-Swap. As the New York Times reported. That's what I like to call it. I like to call it A-Swap. That's right. The official name of this covert two-year, $22 million DIA program was A-Swap, or the Advanced Aerospace Weapon Systems Application Program. Okay, I just want to pause right here. So, yeah. ATIP was wrong? Well, it, it, it gets tricky. ATIP wasn't wrong, but ATIP was... They changed the name uh, so that they could really sort of direct the flow of where this money was going to go. There's some inside baseball, Washington inside baseball, as to why Harry Reid changed the name. Okay. Uh, we don't really need to get into that, but just know that... Uh, that it, it, there was actually a different program, not ATIP. And, and became uh, really ATIP matter. later. Yes, basically. That's okay. exactly right. Got it. Uh, but, Michael, why don't you read a little bit about uh, A-Swap from the book Skinwalkers at the Pentagon? Okay, here we go. There were two remarkable... First of all, who's this character? Am I just a narrator? Y- yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Just- <clears throat> there were two remarkable things about A-Swap. The first was that it existed at all. 
The second was that the Pentagon spent those millions investigating not only UAPs, but the paranormal and psychic correlate. How the paranormal and psychic correlates to UAPs. That's right. Michael, can you read that last part again? The paranormal and psychic correlates to UAPs. That's right. The decision to study paranormal phenomena associated with the UFO topic was not taken lightly. In fact, a significant number of constituents existed both inside and outside the Defense Intelligence Agency argued that, look, you know, ASWAP should only focus on researching the technology of UFOs, not the weird shit that goes along with it. But thankfully, a new breed of researchers had convinced him otherwise. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me take you back to how all of this got started in the first place. Enter Robert Bigelow. Hello! And the infamous Hi. Skinwalker Ranch. I Hello. hope that's not your, the voice you're going to use for him later. Hey, but everybody. Be. My name's Robert. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's some people call me Ghost Bobby because... <laughs> Um, I'm into the paranormal and I never text ladies back. <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know uh, what Skin Rocker Ranch is, it's a place in northeastern Utah uh, called the Wainta Basin. And in that basin, there's a ranch that has been host to all kinds of nightmarish phenomena, including, but not limited to, intelligently controlled orbs and lights, structured craft, including your classic flying saucers, unidentifiable animals, unidentifiable animals, inexplicable livestock mutilations, Bigfoot creatures, poltergeist-type phenomena, apparent holes in the sky, portals, and a whole host of other seemingly otherworldly phenomena. You name it, it was happening on Skinwalker Ranch. Insiders began to call it the paranormal Disneyland. Early on, the ranch caught the attention of real estate tycoon and billionaire Robert Bigelow, who's no strangers to UFOs. In fact, Robert witnessed a slow-descending craft outside of his parents' house when he was just a boy, sparking a lifelong fascination with the subject of the strange and mysterious. When Bigelow caught wind that a rancher and his family were selling a ranch in Utah due to the high amount of paranormal activity that was not only strange but hostile... Bigelow swept in and bought it right on the spot for around 200 k Needless to say, uh, you know what? Almost what Elvis paid for Graceland when he bought it at the 22 years old. Needless to say, the rancher and his family were damn happy he did. Now, a man obsessed and driven by life's bigger questions, Bigelow saw an opportunity where others just saw problems. And so he set out to do something no one had ever done before create an elite team of specialists who are on the cutting edge of frontier scientific research and use the Skinwalker Ranch as a living, breathing paranormal laboratory. Michael, I, I, I thought of you when I was sort of researching Bigelow again, and he really reminds me of like a Marvel superhero guy, like... Who would he? Who would be his equal to like somebody putting together a team? I mean, this is obviously there's shades of Tony Stark here with being like right. the rich industrialist, and then you know putting together a team is very Nick Fury. But you know his obsession with the occult might also make him a good candidate for like he's got a little bit of Doctor Doom in him. Mm. You know what I mean? And Doctor mm. Doom, you know, is traditionally a very bad baddie 
But right. but there's times when he's like done. He's helped the Fantastic Four and done done good things. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. That I'm makes like, sense. No, I like that. I, I like I would, that answer a lot. I would say probably leaning more in the Tony Stark camp. You know. Sure. Sure. Well, Robert Bigelow formed. NIDS or the National Institute for Discovery Science. Like, and I'm never going to get over the name of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> he brought in. You might as well just called it nerds. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, you've got to be you've got to be catchy with these acronyms, especially these government alphabet soups. You, you got to yeah. sort of like think ahead. Like, no, that doesn't really work. What? Oh, NIDS, NIDS. That's good. You got to be a real confident paranormal scientist to just plow ahead with that <laughs> acronym. <laughs> Well, what he does do is bring in some of the biggest names in the field, like the famed computer scientist and ufologist Dr. Jacques Vallée, along with physicist Dr. Hal Pudoff of Stanford Research Institute fame, who is known for running government studies on psi phenomena and remote viewing. Former astronaut and U.S. Senator Harrison Schmidt, Dr. John E. Mack of Harvard, who we just talked about, and former U.S. Intelligence Army Officer Colonel John Alexander who, by the way, is going to help us with our spoon-bending party later on. Rachel, you're invited to that. Along with full-time staff members, biochemist Dr. Colm Kelleher and physicist Eric Davis and microbiologist George Onet. Okay, can I can I interrupt again and ask a question? Yes, yes. Uh, it's okay if you don't know this off the top of your head, but mm. where, where, because this gets a little mud, muddy, where... Okay. In the where are we in the timeline? Are we in the seventies here? Are we in the nineties? Like when is Bigelow forming great, NIDS? That's a great question. I think NIDS was formed. Let's see, Skinwalker Ranch came out in like what ninety? I want to say like in the nineties. That I don't know. It feels like a very nineties thing. Yes, I think it, I think it's see. the nineties. Yeah, um, uh, the NIDS sci bought Skinwalker Ranch after journalist George Knapp first wrote about it in nineteen ninety six. Okay. Doesn't okay. say that when NIDS. Sense. Okay. NIDS Probably was 92, formed. 93, yeah, 94. So early, we're talking. Oh, founded in 1995. Perfect. There you go. Okay, great. There you go. Okay, great. I think I'm it's, you know, you I, like to, I like to have, you know, uh, no, that, context that totally for like pertains. where, because, you know, when we hear Jacques Vallée, I'm like, that could have been in the 60s, 70s, 80s. I don't no, know where, you know. It's a great okay. point. Great point. So 1995 is about where we are. Good, great. good call. Good catch. Now, I'm going to read. Do you think Skinwalker. that they were like, Really getting into third eye blind while they were also studying. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, Probably playing. Do my crystal method lift you up until you break. (laughs) (laughs) Just on heavy repeat out in the desert. This comes from the book. Quote: Conversations at the dinner table revolved around a strategy for grappling with, for want of a better term, the phenomenon. None of the dinner attendees had any illusions about the subject. It was the most challenging pursuit they had ever engaged in. As Kelleher looked around the table, he was acutely aware that this was a unique gathering of individuals who had four extremely valuable traits in common. An active duty United States government affiliation, complete anonymity, technical expertise, and an open mind. Kelleher knew that it was rare for a group with these kinds of talents to focus on a problem as arcane and controversial as this one, end quote. It wasn't long after the team was in place that the activity on the ranch began to spike. It was as if whatever entity was the cause for all of this 
high strangeness was up to the challenge of confronting and outsmarting this around-the-clock team of researchers. In fact, no matter what they did to try and capture evidence, the phenomenon always seemed to be one step ahead. Physicist Eric Davis described it as a precognitive sentient phenomena Hmm. due to its ability to know what the researchers were thinking in advance. I mean, uh, Mike... Yeah. Strange. That's I like that term, precognitive sentient phenomena. We're talking yeah. like trickster stuff here. That's what I was sort of thinking. I mean, it does have that element of like playing games and like, you know, keeping keeping you on your toes. A very cat and mouse trickster esque vibe. I guess it also like a precognitive sentient phenomenon wouldn't necessarily have to be a trickster, but right. it does feel like there's just an essence of this stuff, especially when it comes to Skinwalker Ranch, where it is... It's you gameplay. Know, to, to get back into comic books for a minute, Superman mm. used to have uh, an, an enemy... Well, he still does, let's be honest. I don't think they've ever made up. But uh, named Mr. Mitsimplicht, who was an imp from the fifth dimension. And he would come around every now and then and just do weird things like turn metropolis you know skyscrapers into giant candy you know bubblegum machines and right right. you know he would just like turn reality upside down and the only way you could get rid of him was to get tricking he was like a rumpelstiltskin like superman would have to come up with a way to get him to say his name backwards and then he would disappear for like another year you know and it's like one of those things like what can what can superman not fight it turns out it's like a fifth dimensional elf you know because it's just beyond <laughs> his his power sets but um, i love that if, if only they could find the name out of whatever this is and say it backwards, yeah it's that got that feeling to it there does seem to be you know and maybe what it is when you're when when we're staring into the abyss or we're staring into the unknown maybe it is sort of like it's one of two things where you are actually contacting an entity on the other side Mm. who wants to F with you, or there's some type of mirror effect happening where it's like a negative feedback loop where the user is putting intention into it. And then that intention is getting like somehow echoed back. You know Mm. what I mean? That's great input. And we'll, we'll, we're going to touch more on that later, but that's a very astute point. Absolutely. Well, World tra- word travel fast in clandestine circles of intelligence that Bigelow had dibs on studying the UFO phenomena up close and personal. And a few curious individuals wanted in. Individuals like Dr. James T. Lekatsky, an intelligence officer serving in the Defense Intelligence Agency's Defense Warning Office, who was an expert in areas of adversary electronic warfare and directed energy weapons capabilities. Laser beam shit, people. Laser beam shit. Lekatsky wrote a letter to Bigelow seeking permission to visit visit the ranch property. He wrote, I presently work in the defense warning office of the DIA. The purpose of my visit would be to assist me in developing a strategy on how my office can characterize the potential threat aspects of the phenomena encountered in your research efforts. Mm. So he was like, these things might try to wage war on us and we need to know how to fight them. Yeah, basically. That's exactly right. And the letter went on to say that the visit to the ranch might allow Lekatsky to understand the lay of the land and evaluating possible threats. 
Well, Bigelow accepted, and it wasn't long before Lekatsky was traveling to the ranch to get a personal tour by Bigelow and the ranch managers Gene and Richard Dietz, <clears throat> a husband and wife team that had diligently managed the ranch on Bigelow's behalf since 1999. But it was when they were chatting in the kitchen, Michael, that a tubular-shaped UAP revealed itself to Lekatsky that he thought, holy shit, this thing is real. He turned to see if anyone else saw it, but he was the only one. Here was a missile expert who had no experience with the strange whatsoever, and yet he was on the famed Skinwalker Ranch for no more than two hours, and he had already seen his first UFO. For, so whether you're at Aunt Laura's for Thanksgiving or you're at Skinwalker Ranch, everyone just wants to gather in the kitchen. You know what I mean? That's where all the... <laughs> That's where everyone Everybody loves to hang out. The you always end That's up right. in the kitchen. <laughs> Even so the UFOs. He saw a UFO in the kitchen or outside yes. the window? He, from the Wait, kitchen. What? He saw one in the house. It was in the house. The and UFO was, a, was inside yes, was the a, house? Inside the house. It was a tubular-shaped craft inside the house. How big? Not very big. Maybe the size of a desk. That's pretty big for being inside the house. Yeah, maybe it wasn't in the house. God damn it, Michael. I don't know. Wait. The UFO is coming from inside the house. Okay. Well, however you want to imagine this story, maybe he saw it from the kitchen outside. Do you think that maybe it was just one of the Dietzes with a with like a, a cold hot dog that they were just they were standing by the edge of the door and they were just poking it through the threshold oh to make God. it you know, yeah. No, that's a great point. I, th- I think the covering way it I up and down, it, making it look like it's flying around the room. The way I read it was this thing was like you know maybe the size of I don't know a fucking couch cushion or a big dog, and it was like in the living room, and it was tubular. It was tubular. It was like uh, I'll, I'll I'll put a like a pool on noodle. <laughs> yes, like a fucking pool noodle bent around in different shapes. I'm getting off point. It didn't take long. Can we call this episode the pool noodle contagion? No, 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 no. Now, it didn't take long for Lekatsky to see the potential here and to drum up some interest from Washington. Enter Harry Reid, who will, fun fact, for, forever be known as the UFO senator because of his courageous work in this sector. R.I.P. Yeah. Harry Reid, recently passed. R.I.P. Harry. That's right. That's right. Because as soon as Lekatsky left the ranch, Bigelow, who considered Harry Reid a friend, told him about the rocket scientist who worked for the Defense Intelligence Agency, the Pentagon's version of the CIA, sniffing around the property, to which Bigelow probably said, Hey man, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Oh God. Anybody want a hot dog? (laughs) That's the worst voice for Bigelow, but I'm going to go with it. So Reid lobbies to a few of his fellow congressmen, And Reed basically says, Look, if the Russians and Chinese are studying this UFO thing without their goddamn hands tied like we are, then they're gonna get a jump on us. It's time to put our big boy pants on and take a look at this thing. That's right. So as the Senate Majority Leader, Reed meets in a classified location in the United States Capitol with two key members of the Appropriations Committee. Members who controlled the dark money, the non-public money. Republican Senator Ted Stevens from Alaska and Democratic Senator Dan Anui of Hawaii. Anui, who'd had his own experience of running into a UFO while flying combat missions in World War II. And, you know, I kind of just loved this idea of, 
a Republican senator, a Democratic senator, reaching across the aisle to fucking get something done once and for all. But then I was like, but of course, of course, it's Alaska and Hawaii. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, hey, it guys, just makes sense. Why don't you uh, try to solve some uh, problems that are here on Earth while you're at it, okay? <laughs> we'll do it. So... Harry puts out a government bid for a proposal, basically on this backwater website for defense contractors, where he lays out a laundry list of goals to be achieved through the program. Who answers the call? Fucking Bigelow. That's who. Hello. In 2008, Robert Bigelow forms a sister company to Bigelow Aerospace and responds to the DIA solicitation. The name of his new company was Bass, or Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies. I mean, the guy's already building inflatable space labs for the International Space Station. Seriously, he's he's doing that. And he's also got one thing nobody else does. A fucking haunted ranch in Utah with scientists already in place. It's a no-brainer. And not to mention, you know, he was the only one to answer the call. (laughs) Boom, contract awarded. And so, A-Swap was born. A-Swap! Now that you're all caught up, Michael, would you mind reading from Skinwalkers at the Pentagon? This was a UFO program, period. That was its perfect purpose from the start. I tell you what, doing this voice really hurts my throat. (laughs) And furthermore, this was about how UFOs might, I'm going to go a little easy on it, fit to the realm of what might be considered the paranormal. Lakotsky believed then, as now, that a study focused solely on UFOs, on various unknown nuts and bolts type craft flitting around in the skies over military bases and facilities, would never get to the heart of a much larger and complicated mystery. You're going to be hunting aliens for cruising by from now on until doomsday, and you are never going to solve anything. That's right. His point, we've got to study the paranormal that is taking place with the UFO thing. And as of July of 2009, A-Swap and Bass were up and running like a well-oiled machine. Thanks, in large part, to Bigelow and Reed's no-nonsense attitude. Now, they just needed the ranch to behave like a good little portal from hell and give up all its dirty little secrets. And so, it was time to deploy some boots on the ground, a.k.a. Human lab rats. Alright. Jonathan Axelrod. Heavy metal guitar riff. Spoken like a real middle-aged man who's just slightly winded. That's the clearest throat after. Look, we're both Oh my god. We're both wrecking our voices tonight. Oh my god. Jonathan Axelrod, along with his buddies, were all seasoned vets. Doing a perimeter check around Skinwalker Ranch gave them some time to joke about how not too long ago, while stationed in Iraq and Afghanistan, they were literally reading the book on this place. Kelleher and Knapp's hunt for the Skinwalker was being passed around like paranormal porn in the green zone of Baghdad during the Iraq War. And now, here they were, on the property where they had read so much about. Their job at Skinwalker was to provide security and be witness to and provide assessment of any strange activity that took place on the property. Little did they know that engaging with this phenomenon came with a few risks. Along with Jonathan was his good buddy Jim Costigan, a Marine who had served in Afghanistan with Axelrod as well as their friend Davis Wilson, also a Marine. Costigan and Wilson were experts on the deployment of a wide variety of sensor equipment. One night, 
whilst on patrol, the three men would see some shit from skinwalkers at the Pentagon. One of the reasons the trio had been invited as subject matter expert consultants onto the Skinwalker property was to begin applying their sensor expertise in tracking the mysterious presence that had outsmarted dozens, even scores of witnesses over the previous decades. About a half a mile into their hike, the temperature suddenly dropped like a stone. From 75 degrees, the air was now 20 degrees colder. All three stopped and silently looked at each other. There was no wind blowing. The air was still, and the zone they were standing in gave them a deep chill. All three began to feel anxious. As they walked further, the anxiety deepened and turned into fear. Directly ahead of the trio, on the track, Costigan's night vision scope showed an oval area of blackness, about eight feet tall. You know what else is eight feet tall, Michael? A Bigfoot. A Bigfoot's surrounded by the night scope's normal green color. It was this it was as if Koskin said later, all light had been extinguished by that dark oval shape. He felt the black structure was radiating a menacing presence. At that point, all three felt close to their breaking point, each one convinced that continuing towards the dark oval shape would lead to certain death. Without a word, the three began to retrace their steps as if guided by the same direct order. Slowly, they all walked back. The terror began to subside. And here's where shit gets a little cray. A couple of years later, ASWAP Bass program manager Colm Kelleher interviewed Axelrod and Cossigan separately about the events on the ranch that night. <clears throat> Ten days after the ranch episode, Keller received a call from Jonathan Axelrod. He sounded puzzled as he recounted that almost immediately after he had returned home from Skinwalker Ranch, strange things had begun to happen in their home, not to him, but to his family. Axelrod recounted that on the previous night at about 2 a.m., while he was asleep beside his wife, Ruth, she had seen a large black humanoid shape walking towards her in the bedroom. How many times do we hear about these shadow figures in the bedroom, Michael? More often than I would like to admit, Bryce. Fucking yes, fucking yes. During a second call about a month later, Axelrod reported an alarming escalation and anomalous activity at his home. It was after midnight, <clears throat> and Ruth had turned off all the lights in the kitchen and was preparing to go upstairs when her eye caught a movement out in the yard. She walked over to the window for a better look, then froze as she witnessed one of the most bizarre sights she had ever beheld. Standing upright and leaning against one of the trees at the perimeter of her yard was a huge, wolf-like creature. She saw the creature plainly in the dim night light. It had long hair and looked like a wolf, but it was standing on two legs. Ruth stood paralyzed, feeling both confusion and a kind of dread. The creature appeared to be staring right at her. Its gaze was not friendly. She continued to stare at this eerie sight, trying to fathom the impossibility of an upright wolf-like creature in a quiet, upper-middle-class suburban Virginia neighborhood. The creature then took one last look at her, turned, and walked slowly on two legs further into the tree line. Three days later, at about 10.30 on a bright Saturday morning, the two teenage Axelrod sons were downstairs in the living room. When Paul got up to stretch his legs, a movement in the yard caught his eye. 
and he gasped in astonishment at the sight of a huge wolf-like creature standing on two legs in the backyard staring straight at him. Alerted by his brother's gasp, Michael jumped up and saw the seven-foot-tall wolf gazing menacingly at them. The animal appeared to be completely comfortable standing on two legs. Both Axelrod boys felt a sense of fear. Suddenly, the beast took off running towards the tree line, its long brown black hair blowing in the rapid movement. The (laughs) beast ran easily and fluidly on its hind legs with long strides seemingly impossible for normal canine anatomy. Both boys stood in silence as the wolf was soon lost in the trees that bordered the Axelrod property. Well, guess what? The Axelrod boys had researched what it was they had seen, trying to find some confirmation that this bizarre event had even been real. And the teenagers came across a strange book written by Linda Godfrey about dogmen. And as they described their sighting to their father, Jonathan felt a cheer, a chill. This thing left (laughs) fucking... Hooray! We have a (laughs) dogman! This thing left fucking claw marks all over these trees, and within a few months of his return from Skinwalker Ranch, every member of his family had experienced orbs in their home, seen dark humanoid creatures in their bedrooms, and heard multiple sounds of footsteps around the house at night. Michael, it was as if the ranch had infected Axelrod and his family with a paranormal virus. We got a case of the spooky, ooky herpes. But how's that possible? Did something follow him home? A hitchhiker? A skinwalker hitchhiker? A skin hiker? Possible episode name runner-up, skin hiker. <laughs> what do you think about this idea of, of a paranormal hitchhiker? As well, the, the thing that was going through my mind as you were reading from the book was that this guy signed up to go look at some UFOs mm. and maybe yeah. some, like, you know, I don't know, uh, maybe some ghosts or something and right. and, and got a dog man that followed him home. a fucking homegrown <laughs> dog like, man. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, I don't <sighs> know. I mean, I... So we've talked about this... We actually talked about this with uh, with Ron Moorhead last week about how yes, we did. he came back from the High Sierras and he was hearing that weird clicking sound like mm-hmm. out when in his yard. And, you know, I think you also hear stories uh, to tie it all together this month thematically, like with the Ouija board. You hear stories about how you open up a portal and then entities might follow you home after mm. the slumber party and start right. haunting your house. That was obviously the plot of, um, you know, the the exorcist that, you know, something actually literally hitchhiked in Regan's body in that movie. Yeah. Um, That's got to be a top theory that just like <clears throat> something, someone opened up a portal, some bad medicine, some bad magic, and just opened up a fucking floodgate of a wormhole leading to who knows where, but uh, who knows what coming through. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess the, yeah, I I mean, there's also the, I mean, it's hard to say that they're not connected, you know? Mm. Yeah, Um, obviously. But why, the thing that's, okay, here's, here are my notes for the paranormal. Here's why this wide range cast of characters, why dogmen, why Bigfoot, why UFOs, why shadowmen, like, 
It's like what, the phenomenon's greatest hits. You know? Yeah, where's the consistency in this? You know what I mean? It's too. They, there's a rule in script and screenplay yeah. writing where they say you don't want two types of magic in a script. You mm-hmm. can't. You can't have a script have this magic and then you add another. Like if your script's about vampires, yeah. you then don't add UFOs to it. And all this stuff really contradicts that rule. You know. What if, um, what if it's what if it's us writing the script? What if like these are archetypal sort of images or themes that that recur in in the human species well, as we evolve, and and well, maybe okay. this is a representation of like it's right. picking so this, up on that. This is what I'm saying when we're getting into this negative feedback loop, right. where instead of it being a trickster spirit, it's actually echoing something back of your mm. own psychic energy mm. right Amir, and you said and, that yeah and for this guy axelrod jonathan axelrod so he, was he one of the marines let me go back yeah up to, yeah no he was he so, was like the he was in charge of the okay of the so i'm going out on a limb here right but like <clears throat> this is a guy who's like a trained you know for lack of a better term predator hunter yeah. soldier so yep. maybe his shadow self echoed back to him and his family is that of a wolf or a wolf yeah. man you know that's something that's, that's like a keen lithe hunting killing machine you know not mm, to i'm not yeah. trying to categorize all marines as killers but i'm you know you know what i'm saying i'm just trying to like i'm sure they would take that as the highest compliment hell but, yeah but <laughs> well, my fa- yeah my father was a marine um but like so maybe that's maybe it's something like that is what i'm trying to say it. like this is me great this is me trying to like let's break the story here. I've got notes and let's try to make this make sense. Well, because we, that's let, yes. the problem is with all of this. And again, maybe it is the trickster thing, which does want to make you feel crazy. And then when you try to tell people about what's happening to you, nobody believes it. But then yeah. what's the point of the trickster spirit fucking with you in that way? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, I love where you're going with all this. Hold those thoughts. We'll. <sighs> I, We're going to come around to all this at the end and just I, try and sort of unpack it some more. But that I, was a great starter unpacking. Thanks. I finished that sentence, looked down, and then smushed a mosquito with my finger. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And you were like, kill ants earlier. I was like, I don't do that. No. What if I'm well, an ant? Ants I don't want to kill, but mosquitoes, you know, they don't yeah. serve any purpose. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. I feel bad. No. I always say, look, every time I kill a bug, which is not often, it's usually just a mosquito. Spiders, I yeah. take out. Ants, I right. try to, you know, I fortunately haven't had them in a while. Knock on wood. Every time I kill a mosquito, I say, I'm sorry. And then I say, yeah, come right, back. Good. And then I say, come back as a puppy. <laughs> Shut up. You do not. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so fucking good. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, little fella. Come back as a puppy. We'll play. Yeah, come back as a puppy. Well, we needed that little. So, Michael, it wasn't just Axelrod, right, who experienced unexplainable paranormal activity after having visited the ranch. There was also others. An intelligence officer by the name of Juliet Witt. Witt was a Pentagon analyst of the highest order. A badass bitch who had seen her share of war-torn hell. Can I say that? I was going to... I don't think you can, but it's fine. We'll allow it. It's not... I wanted to take it as a compliment because she's like, you've been through stuff. I don't... I just think that the the first female character you introduce in the story, you immediately call a bitch, (laughs) is not okay. I'm just saying that as your partner. I want to. I'm going to just say that over without the B word. I like... Because it works without the B word. What about a badass babe? 
I would just still slightly misogynistic. Babe's no good either. How about just badass? Yeah, I think just badass is the way you want to go. Wit was a Pentagon analyst of the highest order, a badass who had seen her share of war-torn hell. That's better. That's so much better. But nothing would prepare her for what she was about to encounter. You see, Wit wanted to assess the Skinwalker Ranch property herself, see what all the fuss was about. Well, one night at the ranch with Comb Kelleher, and uh, she would get her wish. Oh, boy. While Wit was stirring uneasily in her chair and was beginning to breathe quickly, she was a seasoned and well-trained DIA analyst, and she had been on multiple tours that involved danger on many levels, but she was still unprepared for being a sitting duck in a paranormal Disneyland waiting for whatever ch- choose to come out of the night. I basically wrote them, but moving on. Suddenly, a cone of silence descended on Kelleher and Wit. The crickets seemed to go silent, and even the faint rustling of the breeze in the trees ceased. Turning around, they saw a creature ambling towards them from the south. It was the size of a 150-pound pig and should have been making considerable noise as it walked, yet the cone of silence dominated the moonlit scene as the creature glided past within 30 feet of Kelleher and about 50 feet from Wit. To Kelleher, it appeared the animal had a series of dinosaur-like spines on its back and also sported a very large, flattened beaver-like tail. Even Kelleher, who had spent hundreds of days and nights on Skinwalker Ranch and had already been exposed to his fair share of bizarre anomalies on the property, felt a distinct chill as he watched the surreal animal shuffle silently away. Kelleher looked at Wit, who was staring in astonishment at where they had last seen the creature, quickly as if a spell had been broken. They hurried around the corner to get another look at the bizarre beast, but nothing was visible. Wit and Kelleher then ran to the north end of the homestead and still... No sign of the creature. Ten minutes later, the pair were searching feverishly in the area when Bigelow joined them. I kind of just got the the thought that, like, Bigelow's the beaver dinosaur. He's like, right. He's in one of those inflatable T-Rex costumes. (laughs) Running around. Did you see something? (laughs) Hiding behind furniture with a pool noodle, trying to make it look like it's a UFO floating in the kitchen. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, it's not a noodle. <laughs> a few weeks later, Bigelow and Kelleher would learn that Witt's eventful visit to the ranch was only the beginning of an invasion of frightening phenomena that penetrated her normally quiet and serene Virginia townhouse. Within a week of arriving back home, Witt told Kelleher that her roommate suddenly began screaming in fear at about 2 a.m. She heard him yelling in the adjacent room that somebody was standing over his bed. She quickly activated all the lights and found there was nobody in his room. It took hours for her roommate to calm down. In her first conversation with Keller, would explain that she had lived in that townhouse for a couple years and nothing like that had ever happened before. She also reported hearing loud banging sounds from her kitchen and heavy footsteps on her stairs the previous night. She confessed that her roommate's hysterical reaction to this paranormal invasion was more frightening than the actual event itself. A week later... She calls Kelleher to report that on the previous night she was slowly backing out of her driveway when a gigantic bird that looked like an oversized owl had swooped down and literally attacked her car. Right? With Talon striking her windshield and her hood with great force. It was only after jamming her foot on the gas that she avoided another attack from the owl. 
Witt reported she'd never seen an owl that fucking big before. And on one occasion, Witt and her roommate were in the living room when two wine bottles suddenly fly off the wine rack, hurl across the room in front of them, and smash loudly and messily on the opposite wall. Witt was adamant she had never experienced any events of this kind in her townhouse before her visit to Skinwalker Ranch. It was as if she had brought something back from Skinwalker Ranch to her quiet, affluent Virginia neighborhood. But Witt was not the only one to report bringing something back with them after visiting Skinwalker Ranch. By the end of the Bass program, this phenomenon had escalated to alarming levels, often with medically deleterious consequences. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of that? Here again is somebody else who experienced takes something back with them and now is seeing shadow figures in the room, <laughs> hearing footsteps, uh, shits flying off the fucking walls. Um, yeah, and it's affecting the other people too. It's yeah, it's, you know, like yeah. you're not just bringing it home and you're seeing stuff. It's your wife, it's your roommate, it's your kids. Mm. I don't know that big owl. Big owl could just be a coincidence, but you know, as they say, the owls are not what they seem. Yeah, there's well, that's that's you know, there's people who make connections with owls and aliens. I mean, it's 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 well established uh, territory already. Bryce, this is and, now just, a segment in every episode of the show. When are you gonna watch Twin Peaks, my friend? Oh, fucking! I will fucking watch it. I gotta watch it. Okay, but um, man, crazy shit. It's like there's some type of paranormal fallout. You know what I mean? Right. Also, a third runner-up for episode name, Paranormal Fallout. Um, I think we're going to call this Two Men Clear Their Throats. <laughs> I know. Anyway, you know, and there are other cases, too, like people who, you know, had – there's all kinds of other stories. I recommend you getting this book and reading it, whoever out there is listening. But, uh, you know, people – this kind of fucked some people up with some immune autoimmune diseases and disorders. And I mean, it wasn't just getting scared of shit. There were some fucking consequences, you know? Whoa. Weird. Really? But I want to read, um, something that I think has to do with the overlap of psychic effects on witnesses of UAP UFO phenomena. And I'm going to start with this. This is from skinwalkers at the Pentagon. This overlap between the nuts and bolts UAP phenomena and psychic after effects and paranormal consequences is not new. In fact, this has been known to occur occur since the 1940s. It has not been widely reported that Kenneth Arnold, who became known as the father of the modern UFO era after he reported seeing some chevron-shaped metallic objects emitting or reflecting light on June 24, 1947, also subsequently saw balls of lights or orbs in his home as well as experienced a litany of paranormal events unfolding in his life after his epoch-making sighting. Now, to quote from somebody who might know something on the alleged psychic effects on witnesses seeing UAPs, Jeffrey Krippal, the J. Newton Razor Chair in Philosophy and Religious Thought at Rice University in Houston, brilliantly summarizes the critical tension that exists between the nuts and bolts and paranormal aspects of UAPs. Quote, The difficult truth is that the UFO phenomenon has both an objective hard aspect, think fighter jet videos, photographs, alleged metamaterials, apparent advanced propulsion methods and landing marks, and a subjective 
human aspect. Think close encounters, multiple and coordinated visual sightings, altered states of consciousness, visionary displays, often of a most baroque or sci-fi sort, and experience traumatic or transcendent abductions. And both sides, both the material and the mental dimensions, are incredibly important to get a sense of the full picture. Um, and there you have it, you know, our little journey down a years long rabbit hole. It gets even deeper because now I think we have to confront this idea that perhaps the classic flying saucer is not that far separate from shit magically flying off your shelves in your home by some angry spirit. Maybe that Bigfoot is not that far off from a giant fucking owl bird that can attack your car. What the hell's going on here? Are these a bevy of separate intelligences or is this entire phenomenon a single sentient entity bent on manipulating our environment? Or maybe even a scarier thought like we've talked about, it's just us, our collective psychic unconscious running amok and manifesting all kinds of weird shit. I don't know. But here's what legendary ufologist Jacques Ballet has to say on the matter. Now, I think you should read this because you have a better French accent than I do. Okay, okay. All right, I'll give it a little Jacques here. In this sense, the UFO phenomenon is undoubtedly real. They represent a fantastic technology controlled by an unknown form of consciousness. What does it mean then to say that it may represent a control system? And what is the quantity that is being controlled? What takes place through close encounters with UFOs is control of human beliefs, control of the relationship between our consciousness and physical reality, that this control has been enforced throughout history, and that it is of secondary importance that it should now assume the form of sightings of space visitors. And that... Is how bad my French accent. Oh my god, that was horrible, Riley. Please (laughs) read that over. I I just veered off. I was like, "Do I?" Well, because it was so important of what he's saying there. I didn't want to spoil it with some some hokey French accent. What I think Valet is saying here is that from time immemorial, our worship of the gods, our worship of to our creator, you know, there's some type of something up there controlling the narrative of what we believe in, of what we you know, deemed sacred. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, it makes as much sense as anything else. But I, yes, it's like, it does seem to be that there is someone, there is an intelligence behind this phenomenon and it's it's engaging with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what's the purpose of that? Maybe it's to expand, to grow, to evolve, you know? Yeah, I, I think I think it has to be if there's an evolutionary purpose, and if it's something that our own brains do, it's got which you know is harder to justify unless we're projecting some weird psychic shit that we don't really know we can do. I don't know. It's got to yeah. be to kind of keep our brains fluid. You engaged. know what I mean? Yeah, engaged. and keep. But yeah. not get locked into the three dimensional reality. That that maybe yeah. that's what it is. It's like yeah, I think that's right. Don't you don't don't get locked into even though you're down in this reality. Even though we like don't know what the point of life is, we don't know what reality is. 
you know, mm. it's it's sort of reminding us to that like there is something else beyond the four walls that you're sitting yeah. in right now. Hundred percent. Get stuck in yeah. this. You I know? love that. I love that. I think that's fucking spot on. You know, Bigelow, Robert Bigelow, in January told Las Vegas investigative reporter George Knapp. January twenty twenty one. Are you there? Yes. Oh, sorry. You just said in January. Oh, and it, in January. And your notice said in January 21. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Say that again. Sorry. Bigelow in January 21. Bigelow in January 2021 told George Knapp. I did not know with whom we were communicating. And there are two choices, basically. There were either discarnate entities, non-human entities, or ETs. Isn't that three choices? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I think I think he's lumping the discarnate non-human entities into one. Oh, okay, okay. So they're I either understand. discarnate non-human entities or ETs is what I think you're saying. Yeah, well, that makes sense. You know, Michael, even though the A-tip or A-swap program... And I say to that, with- by the way, I say to that, why not both? Why, 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 not both? Oh, why yeah, aren't good. ETs the discarnate non-human entities? Yeah, yes, yes. I mean... That's why we're doing the good, good work here. Uh, even though those programs ended approximately 10 years ago, the attention and buzz generated from the New York Times article in cases like the Tic Tac encounter have moved the needle, so to speak. No longer do news stations have to play the theme to the X-Files while talking about UFOs. In fact, after confirmation from the Pentagon about the validity of the UFO videos taken by fighter pilots, the Navy has now offered to change their policy in regards to reporting strange craft in the skies. Quote, The Navy is updating and formalizing the process by which reports of any such suspected incursions can be made to the cognizant authorities, they said in a, sa- in a statement. Uh, Lou Elizondo, uh, supposed head of the program ATIP, added, Quote, These aircraft, we'll call them aircraft, are displaying characteristics that are not currently within the U.S. inventory nor in any foreign inventory that we are aware of, Elizondo said, of objects they researched. And not only that, but a brand spanking new agency was born, Michael. That's right. On August 4th, 2020, Deputy Secretary of Defense David L. Norquist approved the establishment of an Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, or UAPTF, The Department of the Navy, under the cognizance of the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, will lead the UAPTF. I would have called it FAPS. (laughs) Now, they've established that uh, new agency to improve its understanding of and gain insight into the nature and origin of UAPs. The mission of the task force is to detect, analyze, and catalog UAPs that could potentially pose a threat to U.S. national security. So now we have an agency in plain sight dedicated to getting to the bottom of the UFO phenomenon. Can they do it? Uh, Michael, would you just read that last little fun fact? The authors are aware that the ASWAP Bass Data Warehouse, rather than lying fallow in a dusty warehouse or on a discarded hard drive, has been recently reactivated and is currently in use in various locations related to government studies of UAPs. I mean, doesn't I mean 
talk about comic books. Doesn't that sound like a, a plot to a comic book? Uh, recently reactivated. Yeah, old they're just UFO like turning files. the lights back on. But it's <laughs> yeah. you. But there, part of me thinks that like the Bass Data Warehouse is really just like one public storage garage, like somewhere <laughs> on the outskirts of like Tucson, Tucson, Arizona. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's either. It's either very cool or it's just it's someone's basement. I know? think it's very cool, and you know I think it 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 speaks on exactly what you read in our BCC news story that there there's something's a brew, right? Like there's so much to this already, and and you know if we've taken the stigma off looking at this thing seriously, then like you said, more scientists can get involved, and maybe just maybe we got a chance at this thing. You know, for me, the the big takeaway here is that the government, as represented by the people mentioned in this book, are highly interested in Bigfoot and his portal-hopping capabilities. And I'm serious, because they are aware and studying all aspects of this phenomena, and that includes, but not limited to, UFOs, black triangles, big hairy monsters, cryptids, classic saucers, mind saucers, orbs, poltergeists, alien intelligences, cats, dogs, hawks, frogs, you name it, Michael. They're looking into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- th- I don't know, man. It's wild. I, 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 I just, I can't fathom. I really can't fathom, at least in our lifetime. Let alone, are we going to be able to like pinpoint the nature of flying saucers? Okay, mm-hmm. maybe we're gonna get some good pictures. Maybe we'll even confirm <laughs> that they're interdimensional or they're coming from another planet. Sure. But how the fuck are we going to link all these things together in a tangible, concrete way? You know, not that like authors like um, uh, Colm Kelliner, Kelliner, sorry, you Kelleher. Said it, yeah. Kelleher and, and George Knapp aren't already doing that work. But, you know, it's one thing to go, okay, these all seem to be related. And then it's another thing to be like, this is how they're all related. Mm, right, 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 right. That's a fucking even bigger question. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. It's just like, I think, I guess just kudos to us for, <laughs> kudos to us. <laughs> could you but, imagine, but, by the way, could, for, you, <laughs> could you imagine that if we had invited some, like, supporting co-star or star from some, like, you know, network oh sitcom... God. I'm so this glad we had no to just, for this and episode. they ended up sitting and listening to that hour-long <laughs> lecture that is lecture. madness. To any, well, you know what I mean. Whatever, your lesson, totally story, right. story sorry. of high strangeness. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Like you wonder why we didn't have a guest on today. Well, now you know because <laughs> Bryce went cuckoo again. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm just, yeah. I'm like, oh, yes, we had one of the supporting cast from B Positive sitting through this no, one. I totally, you know totally. What I mean? it's, like, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And this, you know, you, to, you're exactly right. I mean, this is, this is the meat and potatoes for, for, for those of us who are into this and, and who are, you know, wondering what the programs were about that the government had started looking into this stuff. And, and, uh, and I just think that, you know, we've talked about this. There, there is a connection. I like, I like how you put it. You know, we, we've obviously established there's a connection with all this different type of phenomena. But you're interested, and in now so am I. How does that work? What does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to yeah. know. You know, I want. I don't know. know I think at a works. certain point you have to be like, well, what does it mean to me? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like at the point where if you're getting this far, yeah. Or you know, like if you're if your two sons are like setting down their Super Nintendo because they're seeing a dog man in the backyard. Yeah. Like like then I think you have to start interpreting everything as sort of in in terms of dream symbology. You know wow. what I mean? Yeah. And and maybe that is the whole point of all of this anyway is for all of us to start thinking more on a symbolic level of what things mean as opposed to a literal level that maybe the universe is not a literal universe yeah well put i love that i love that well i guess just one final question remains would you visit skinwalker ranch i don't want anything to follow me home i guess there's no guarantee obviously the podcast co-host in me would absolutely want to go and i would only want to go with like you and riley you know mm, what i mean yeah and then you know hopefully some paramilitary guys who can protect me <laughs> yeah from and maybe mr Dillinger to yeah put a, you know put a protective spell over us too yeah something. we would need a couple of cultists we need to bring like greg and dana newkirk along yeah, exactly we'd right. have to like arm up a little bit um yeah but i just i don't want anything fucking with me or my family when i get no, back home no, you know that that's the only thing us. so when I, we'd have to like research how to ward yourself i would go in with some heavy fucking wards is what i would yeah, say totally yep yeah well buddy great fucking job uh you did it again Thanks, uh, i think people are gonna love this um we should we should wrap it up because Riley's fingertips are bleeding from scoring this one. Um, <laughs> before we go, Bryce, uh, any plugs you want to give our listeners? Sure. Speaking of large, hairy, upright walking cryptids, uh, new season of Expedition Bigfoot season three is out on March twentieth. I'll let you know when, I mean, where you can catch it, but uh, probably Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. Do, have uh, we'll, you heard if it's going to be uh, back on an exclusive Discovery? Do, do For those of us who, do we need to renew our Discovery Plus? Um, uh, I will get back to you on that. I okay. think we might be in luck for having it air simultaneously linear on the Travel Channel as well as the Discovery Plus app. But I will double check back in on that and let you guys know. But mark the calendar, March 20th. Love it. Um, I want to remind everybody listening, since Riley's not here, that the new Spindrift album, Riley's band, Spindrift, uh, Classic Soundtracks Volume 3, is available for purchase over at alternativetentacles.com. Go to releases, click on that tab, scroll down. It'll be there. You can get a physical copy of the album in vinyl like I did. Or you. Uh, I, it is now available to download or stream digitally. So look for it in uh, those platforms as well. So check it out. I know that Riley and the band would really appreciate it. And it's good fucking music. Um, you know what Riley's capable of. Check out uh, Classic Soundtracks Volume 3 by Spindrift. And then, I teased this last week. I've teased it a little bit. Bryce, I got some big news. Yes, I know you do. Are you ready for this? Oh, fucking A. I'm doing a new podcast. What? I'm launching a new podcast in March with Campfire Media. Uh, our friends here it's called slate your name and uh it's me talking to other actors about and creators about navigating the business the entertainment industry 
and sort of exploring why the fuck am I still doing this weird oh, job so after good. 20 years of living in Los Angeles? Um, if good you're a fan you, of the show, man. thanks, buddy. Uh, there will be familiar guests coming up uh, that have been on Bigfoot Collectors Club. Some guests that haven't been on Bigfoot Collectors Club. There might be an episode with Bryce coming your way very soon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't want to. We think we've locked down the date. But until it gets a little bit closer, I don't want to give you a hard release date. Um, but I believe it'll be coming out on Tuesdays in March. So you're going to have a little more uh, podcast to listen to uh, and help uh, break up the weight between Bigfoot Collector Club uh, episodes. I'm very excited. I started working on this during the hiatus. And um, it's a different, obviously, a very different kind of show. But yeah, I hope- man. I hope it has the same kind of conversational, welcoming, fun vibe that we've established here absolu- on, on, on BCC. It absolutely does, dude. I mean, if there's one thing I love talking about the paranormal as much, it's talking shop, man. And that's being in this business. There are so many fucking great stories about rejections, wins, just uh, yeah, mental weird health. Celebrity like, encounters. Yeah, celebrity encounters. Uh, you sur- name it. Yeah. Surviving rejection, all this stuff we're going to talk about. And um, I'm very excited about it. Um, so again, it's called Slate Your Name, uh, which is, of course, a reference to um, slating your name before you audition. You have to say your your name, your height, and your location. Uh, so I kind of tie that into this show. Uh, but I'm very excited about it. So uh, check, wait for that. Um, and I will give you, follow me on Instagram at McMills. And I will uh, be announcing an exact release date for the first episode very soon. But it's going to be, I think, that very first Tuesday in March. So Love it. you guys, and by Love the way, it. this is exclusive. I have not told this to anyone publicly yet so our listeners are getting the scoop first well congratulations man uh, i think it's going to be fantastic i'm excited thanks buddy yeah i'm excited too all right well that's it um check all of those things out i'm glad we all have stuff in the works that's really fun we love you guys thank you for listening to the show yes. and uh yeah uh until next week good night and go get regressed Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Club. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. 
As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.